Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Something Something Podcast. My name is Eric Kasloff, and with me always is Larry Sands. How's it going, Larry? Excellent, Eric. Everything is excellent. We excellent. are deep in the holiday season, man. We are days away from Christmas and also, oh God, days away from the year being over. I know. I know. <laughs> So, I didn't Larry, know what we were going to say. <laughs> I have something to talk about at the top of the show. Yes. Now, I have a lot of passions in my life. If I had to rank them, it would be movies and TV is number one. Video games is clearly number two. Then books and music. Now, with music during the Christmas season, there's Christmas songs. And I'm also a huge Beatles fan. Yes. And I've noted, and when you think about the Beatles, John and Paul are the first two to come to mind. Now, yes. each of them technically have Christmas songs. One of them is awesome. The other sucks and is depressing. And that is John Lennon's War is Over If You Want It. <laughs> How is that considered a Christmas song? Then you got... Paul McCartney is simply having a wonderful Christmas time, yes. which is a super happy song. But John's is like, man, I'm just going to blow my brains out. That's what that's what I'm going to give everybody this Christmas. <laughs> you know, it is odd because that's that's the dynamic. I think, obviously, when you hear and listen to Beatles songs, you can you can almost pick out the ones because obviously it's like Lennon McCarthy, right? But yeah. a little bit more of the happier ones are probably from from Paul's side. And then some yeah. of the more serious. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. You're and and you don't really know it because it just comes on in the car. And, and you're you like... know, just like, you know, just singing along. So this is Christmas. And then simply ha and it's hilarious. So yeah. There's one more Christmas song I have to mention, and you could ask Rebecca Carr about this, our dear friend. There is a Christmas song that no matter where I am, when I hear it, I start crying like a baby. And that is the awful song Christmas Shoes. <laughs> Are you familiar with this song? I believe so, yeah. If you don't sad. know, it's basic. This talking about it's going to make me cry. It's a story from an older man's point of view and how he's shopping for Christmas and this poor little kid is at the store wanting to buy a pair of shoes for his mom who's about to die that night. Right, yeah. And the Hallmark did a movie and the music video shows clips from... We, I was at Best Buy in Santa Monica back when I lived in L.A. And this song came on while I was online. I started crying. We were at Chili's, a group of us. That song came on. I started crying. <laughs> and in the words of Buster Poindexter in Scrooge, the waterworks started to fall. Yeah. Hey, you know, you did a great segue just now without knowing it. So not a lot of people know this, but there is a whole lot of Christmas themed horror movies. Yes. Like a huge amount. Um, interesting fact, a Christmas story. 
the happy movie everybody loves. The director yeah. of that is Bob Clark, who a few years before that did Black Christmas. That's crazy. Which is the movie that inspired Halloween. Now, Halloween inspired my all-time favorite horror movie, slasher movie, and movie overall, Scream. Within the Scream franchise, there <laughs> is a movie within the movie. And then within those movies, there's another movie. So it's like Inception. And those movies are called Stab. Now, for 12 years now, our guest, Josh Dud Dudley, has been making Stab fan films. And like I was just saying to him, that is the most meta thing that ever meta in the history of meta. How's it going? Oh, can I call you? Is it cool if I call you Josh? Yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely. Okay, awesome. Thanks for coming on the show, Josh. Thank you for having me. Man, I tell you, you know, Josh, first of all, why and how did you get into the doing stab movies? The how, how do how what? Okay, because this is fascinating because when you watch a movie and there's like something going on within that movie, you don't really think about it a whole lot. I think most right. people don't. But if you can give us like like your your introduction into the stab movies. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, like you guys, I've always been a massive Scream fan. Saw it when it first came out when I was little, actually on video, VHS from Blockbuster. Check that out. I gotta out. show you something awesome when we're done. Yeah. I love it. And my, uh, and my twin sister had gone to a sleepover and watched Scream and came home and raved about it, spoiled the ending for me. You gotta love that. Uh, but I begged and begged until my mom would rent it for me. And then I watched it. And then today, ironically, is the 25th anniversary of Scream 2, the first time we see Stab. So it's also the 25th anniversary of the first Stab movie. Wow. But I saw that in theaters the day it opened. So 25 years ago today, I was sitting wow. in a movie theater watching it. And I remember being super infatuated with Stab and loving Heather Graham as Casey Becker, loving the cheese level, seeing what they were doing with that, how it was slightly different, but still the same. And which brings up some questionable arguments maybe for later about how they knew so much about exactly what happened. Get but, on the stew train. Um, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I was in love from then and I hadn't really thought about making a movie. I've always been like a writer and an actor and stuff like that. But I had, um, before Scream 4 came out, I had this idea to start writing a stab movie. And I didn't want to do stab one, two, or three because it would be like watching Scream one, two, or three with much lower production values and <laughs> not as good acting. And we were never going to land a celebrity for them. And then I had this idea originally that we would pitch it as like DVD bonus features for the release of the next Scream movie if they ever did one. So as, as we finished production on our first super ghetto movie, Stab 4 Fresh Blood, uh <laughs> they announced scream four and that there was supposed to be seven stab movies so i'm like well that's cool why don't we just keep making all the sequels and see if we can get them all done in time for the release of uh, scream four on blu-ray or dvd which did not turn out to be the case they definitely were not completed in time they took years but that's kind of where my love and infatuation grew and just kept growing and we were able to take it different places that we didn't know where it was supposed to go in the screen series because our stab five was filmed like right before Scream 4 got released. So when we saw Scream 4 and they're like, Stab 5 is supposed to have time travel. We were kind of like, oh, <laughs> <crud."> <laughs> we definitely don't have time travel in our Stab 5. 
So we're rectifying that now. We've rebooted the series and we did different versions of Stab and Stab 2. We're working on Stab 3, Holiday Horror right now, which is a Christmas movie, finally. A ghost face at Christmas. And then from here on out, 4, 5, 6, and 7, and potentially 8 will be what they should have been in the Scream movies. So Stab 4 will be Knife of Doom. Stab 5 will be Clock of Doom. And it will finally have time travel. (laughs) That is so cool. But I think in all reality, it just stemmed from the fact that I wished I could be in a Scream movie, but I never got cast in one. <laughs> oh, man. You know, there was that whole thing, though, how uh, remember Star Wars kid? There was this whole thing about getting him in the prequels. And I think there was some fan stuff about getting you in the party scene. Right. Well, I remember yeah. hearing some banter about that for Scream 5. Yeah, there was a a lot of people kept talking to us. Nobody official, though, which is funny because I do chat with a few people involved in the productions. Like Marianne Maddalena is a a, a good chat buddy of mine. And she's a producer. And I beg every time I talk to him, like, hey, just give me a little part. Just like a little cameo. Hook your boy up. But it's never really panned out. But yeah, the fans were kind of petitioning for it. And then when we all saw it and we saw that there was a YouTube channel in it where they were discussing the stab movies, everyone's like, what the heck? Why wasn't that you? Yeah, it's (laughs) like... Right. It was cool seeing dead meat in there, but he's yeah. not really, I mean, I don't know him personally, but he's not a scream channel, you know, it would have been exactly. again, meta on top of meta. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe it had something to do with promotion and they didn't want to promote the cheesy stab movies that we were making or who knows, who knows what the case is, but they did end up lifting our official stab logo and using it in the movie. Oh man. <laughs> So that was kind of funny. Like they, they never contacted us or anything. I'm guessing they just did a Google search and they found our stab logo and they're like that one. <laughs> and you see wow. what's messed up is if you would have done that with one of their things, their lawyers would have sued you for every little thing in your house. <laughs> you got that right. When we uh, first started uh, stab four, even though it's beyond low budget and almost not watchable to me these days, but <laughs> 12 years ago, it was filmed on a little flip camera, like in my mom's backyard. Oh and we really goodness. had no intention of ever posting it, but we did. And it kind of blew up really fast. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we ended up after we started getting millions of views, getting fielding phone calls from lawyers and everything from like Dimension Films and the Weinstein Company to Fun World that makes the ghost face mask kind of good like what are you doing like what's happening here are you making money off of this so we just had to keep assuring them no it's just a fan film it's just for youtube we don't turn any profit in fact i'm losing all the money i make every week (laughs) into and then they're like okay that's great just continue doing what you're doing spend all your money they were a little nervous that if they shut shut us down that it would reflect poorly on the fan community that there would be some sort of an outlash that if they shut us down that other fan filmmakers would be nervous that they would get shut down And I kept bringing up um, DC Comics to them because I'm like, there are literally hundreds of thousands of Batman fan films. And I don't see a single one of them having issues with using Batman or characters because it's a fan film. And some of them turn a profit. So how they get away with that, I don't know. Mm. But we, we have a long list of guidelines that we have to follow every time we make a Stab movie. And in the reboot of our Stab series, just Stab, technically our stab aid, but uh, we weren't allowed to use Ghostface because they were filming Scream 5. 
and the new new production company like Spyglass Media and stuff didn't want the fan film Jews and Ghostface. So fan films were getting deleted off of YouTube left and right. Wow. And then Fun World finally stepped up and rectified the situation and kind of stood up for everyone, which thank you, Fun World. We're so grateful. Yeah. But, and they're like, they're just kids making fan films, which I mean, kids is a stretch now. I'm almost 40. But, <laughs> but <laughs> right so finally in Stab 2, we were able to bring Ghostface back and we faced we some pretty big backlash over that ghost mask we used in the stab reboot some people loved it and some people were like what is that mask <laughs> and like if i could have used ghost face i would have but but now we, we have ghost face back in full action so <laughs> the whole thing with fan films now again because of um vincent DeSante, or as larry called him on the show vincente <laughs> thank you um would never hike alone there is a turning point now because a lot of Friday the 13th fans consider that movie canon. And a I lot of them, yeah. That there is a turn going with fan films where there's talented filmmakers like you. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, you're right in front of me. I <laughs> wanted you on because I want to, you know, we're going to get into the Indiegogo, but. I think you're, you got talent and I want to see you doing more original stuff eventually, which I know is going to be even cooler than the stab stuff. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. We've actually, so the difference between like something like 13 fanboy or the, the woods one is they have um, budgets and backers yeah. and stuff like that. And we do not, like I said, I pay for everything out of pocket. So our production quality isn't always as high as them and they're, we don't have huge crews like the crew is me running around behind the camera, changing lights and then directing the actors and then setting up whatever needs to be set up, doing all the fake blood makeup and stuff like that. So it's a crew of one. And oh. uh, I get lucky that a lot of the actors help out and stuff like that, too. Over the years, they've really started to contribute. And I have a buddy on a rare occasion that will come and help me film if I'm like in a scene or something <laughs> like that. But that that's the biggest difference between us. And we have attempted to do original content many, many times. We've done short films. We even have a Friday the thir 13th fan film, like a short one called Thursday the 12th that we filmed I out in California that. in Griffith Park. And it was super, super fun. But our channel is, our followers and subscribers are so geared towards Scream that when we make original content, they're just kind of like, mm, nah. Yeah. <laughs> so we have like a full length movie that's been out for God, probably five years now. It's called Theta. And I love the script for it. It's probably the funniest horror movie script I've ever written. And it has like 2000 views on YouTube because nobody cares. <laughs> Unless they see Ghostface on our channel, they're not going to watch that video. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's kind of crazy. That is, that's very interesting because I think, you know, we, we had talked um, um, a couple episodes ago to um, Shudder, vice president of programming, Sam Zimmerman. And there's so many so many things out there that that capture people's attentions but it's it's not funny but it's it is a thing because when people start to know you as one thing i think that's your jam right yeah and exactly if you try to do something different much like in music i mean you know i mean as as a creative person I'm sure you're you're wanting to do, you know, and and this is not to to take anything away from from what you're doing with Stab, but I'm sure there's other creative um, things in your in your head and your mind that that you're writing, and it just it 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 doesn't 
seem like it's in vain because I think, and as an outsider looking in, because I'm just meeting you and, and seeing all your, your great stuff that you have, but, but to the newbie like me, I think, you know, I think you have a, a really good opportunity because you got your jam, you got your groove, you got, you know, your thing. But yeah. then when you open yourself up to, to other things, um, I think that's where, you know, you can, you can be equally successful, I believe. There is that um, sense of being trapped into continually making the stab movies. And I think, you know, even actual horror movie directors like Wes Craven certainly experienced that yeah. uh, being trapped in the horror genre that people didn't want to see anything else from him. So he made music of the heart because he's like, no, I'm making not a horror movie this time. She was and nominated for Best Actress, wasn't that's she? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. And uh, so trying to step outside of other people's comfort zones is kind of the weirdest thing I've experienced. Like I'm comfortable, we've done original stuff. I have scripts upon scripts that I've written for comedy movies that have nothing to do with horror and stuff like that. But we just, it's never an opportunity that's really well presented to us uh, just because of the fan base on YouTube. So had we had like an actual production company or a budget to film these and try to release them elsewhere, that's something that could potentially happen in the future is that we release original content it through other uh other means of sh streaming essentially like maybe on shutter or tubi or well yeah. i don't know shutter shutter might be going down i'm sure you heard that news so mm, i hope they don't though i mean i hope not too because i we love shutter in this house let me tell oh, you it's we the watch best a lot of six dollars i spend a month you know when you right? look at yeah. your bank account and you see what got paid the yeah. only three that never upset me are spotify shutter and my PlayStation account. I was going to yeah. say Hallmark Channel. No, Hallmark <laughs> Channel is now part of Peacock. So I know, thank God. What's so, I got to yes. take a moment. I'm a huge wrestling fan. So I love the fact that I can watch an ECW hardcore. Wait, I could watch <laughs> Dwayne Johnson handcuff Mick Foley and hit him seven times with a chair, an unprotected hair headshot, which cracked Mick, showed Mick Foley's head. And then after that, watch a Hallmark movie. That is awesome. <laughs> but, you know, to get back to what you were saying, um, I always felt that if you're going to be a one trick pony, make it a really good trick. Be the best at that trick. That's what we try to do. And like, I feel like a lot of the fans that make Scream fan films have definitely stayed away from making stab film fan films because it's something that's already kind of been established. And I'm, I'm not one to hate on other people's fan films at all. Like, go for it. Have fun. If you can get people that actually show up <laughs> and know their lines and they stay committed to your production when you have everyone working for free. Because that, that's the biggest thing on our productions is everybody works for free. Nobody gets paid. It's all volunteered out of love and for us to have fun. And we do run into those big hiccups where people quit halfway through filming. And I'm like, oh boy, time to recast and film 11 scenes again. Like, <laughs> don't you know so, you're one of the leads? Yeah, but I got, <laughs> but there's always a yeah, but. So yeah. Our, our first version of Stab 7 got shut down because the lead girl quit halfway through production because there were other production setbacks. Like we drove an hour and a half to film at a location that when we got there was like, oh no, you can't film today. And we're like, oh, oh cool. God. Cool. Thanks. We we have a, a crew of like 20 people with us here of actors and we can't film. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. Oh, and then once one drops, everyone else drops like flies too. So we actually rewrote, or I actually rewrote Stab Seven and did a started a whole new version of it. 
and then continued. I have a, the hashtag stab seven is cursed now because the <laughs> actors in that movie, I've never had so many qu- people quit one production. I'm like, oh, another one's gone. Oh, another one's gone. Okay, another rewrite. Okay, I can oh, fix that. Okay, geez. I can fix that. To the point that we shut it down. We waited a year. I'm like, all right, let's just find a way to finish it. So I rewrote the script again and we start finishing it again. And then one kid's like, oh, I forgot to tell you, I filmed that one scene, but I'm moving to Hawaii next week. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then we lose like another girl who's like, oh, I'm moving to North Carolina in a month and I no longer have time to finish this. I'm like, you have a month. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, so that's, that's definitely the hardest part of filming it. And it, it sucks too, because some of them are like dear friends of mine and, or like coworkers. So you're just like, oh man it's really like i don't want to fight with you right right and and then you see him the and then you see him the next couple days and try not to oh i just i feel okay josh i feel for you i really really feel for you and i but i and i i definitely understand you know when, when you say because that's what production is and 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 I, I know you've been doing it long enough, but it never really, uh, it, <laughs> it, you never really get used to it, right? Yeah, no, that's exactly, I, I think some of the fun of the production is having to deal with those kind of setbacks because sometimes <laughs> they end up turning out better. Like you're like, oh, I actually have a better actress than you right. now, or, or the yeah. scene, the way I had to rewrite it actually plays a little bit better in the script now. And yeah. we haven't had people drop out last minute in, a lot, in the last two movies, we've been solidly good because I took a long break from it. I just stopped making the movies for like three years and I was like, nope, not dealing with that anymore. Like, and then, and then I finally decided to dive back in and luckily I've worked with enough people that are, are willing to show up and know their lines and be on time and not be a problem. So it, <laughs> it gets better, but that is definitely the biggest and hardest part. Like even in this movie that we're starting production on, Stab 3 Holiday Horror, we had our first production meeting and we were just missing an actor and we're like, huh, where are you at? He's like, oh, I got a flat tire. I'm like, oh, I don't know. That sounds like a random story. Like, I can come get you. Like, still have an no, attack. No, 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 I, I'm, I'm okay. My tire's okay, but it's really flat and I shouldn't leave my car anywhere. I'll, I'll be here for the next couple, six hours. You're like, the oh, funniest man. part is too, I'm pretty sure he lives like six blocks away from me. So I'm like, bro, you <laughs> could walk distance. Here. Yeah, I'm like, what, what, uh, what's the issue? Like, so that's, that's one of the ones, that's why we do production meetings at the beginning. So you can kind of feel out who's going to show up and who's not. Exactly. Right. Cause right. some of the, some of them I don't know, or I haven't worked before. This kid I've actually worked with before, but only once. So I'm like, I feel like he's going to show up, but now you're just like not responding to me. Like, are you coming or not? Like, well, you just got to go, Hey, you know, we can just do it on zoom. We yeah, can, we'll he, work around you. He's got a great character too. So I'm like, I would show up to play that part. I don't know why you're not like, so, do you have any formal training or did you just, you know, jump into the deep end when it comes to filmmaking? I have very, very minor amounts of training. I would say I took a video production class in high school that we were mostly focused on filming like TV shows, like talk show type things for our local access network. So I had a, I had a bunch of local access TV shows growing up. So I definitely have experience in the hosting area and behind the scenes, like a little bit of editing, a little bit of camera work, but nothing I would brag about ever. <laughs> I am going to say you are wrong, my friend, because everything you just told me with making these movies 
are the best film school you ever had. I went to a community college in LA and they never taught me a class on what do you do when the little girl in your movie and her mom show up, but she forgot her entire wardrobe for that day. So you've got to do all the scenes that day that had her in bed covered in a blanket and then redo your entire schedule. When film school offers that class or what do you do when you get to your location and the person who owns it says you can't film today you know all of my friends who went to big universities none of them learned that and you know the guy at the community college has a feature under his belt and you've got a bunch of features under your belt and you worked for wayne's world on you know the on wayne you know the local access stuff yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that that was a fun experience. Honestly, I grew up doing a lot of theater and stuff, too. So that's where my acting experience comes from. I, I did more musicals and plays than I can count. So that I, I knew I liked performing for people. And ironically enough, like my biggest inspiration growing up was Lucille Ball. I just like I always wanted my that's own awesome. sitcom so I could be like Lucy and totally nice. not horror connected at all. But she's an icon. And oh, yeah. just watching her performances and seeing how natural she could make things seem that were very clearly rehearsed you know i was like huh i wonder if i can do that <laughs> yeah and, but but it is like you said it is kind of the best film school to go to is just to dive in and do it because you learn along the way and there are setbacks that aren't always uh, mountable options you know what i mean you can't always get past some of the things that happen but tricking your brain into thinking no i can figure this out i can find a way to make it work i think is one of the one of the best lessons i've learned and they should offer a class on that the class just really should be called plan b (laughs) like like always have a plan b and a plan c because people will screw you over especially when they're working for plan f of you know all all the way to plan z or maybe just call it plan z yeah (laughs) yeah even some of the actors in my movies don't Mm -hmm. even know that i Typically, when I write a script, I have several extra scenes written that nobody knows about in case something fails. <laughs> I'm like, well, in case this person quits, here's an alternate version of this scene. And in case this person can't do perform well during a death scene, we'll kill this one instead. Like, <laughs> That's amazing. That's so amazing. there's a little, and the, the endings are a big thing. Like the screen movies, we, I don't send out the endings unless they're involved in it. So <laughs> nobody knows who the killer or killers are unless they're the killer or killers, which is pretty neat. We or are like the final girl. Sounds like we, somebody else I know. Yeah, um, I just sent we, me and Larry finished our first feature last year, an '80s slasher movie. Even though '90s cool. and early 2000s is my heart, I sent him our new script, but I didn't send him the ending. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to have that air of mystery, and it. I find frequently if people know who the killer or killers are, that they tend to act a little bit differently in yes. scenes with them. Like yes. they almost drop hints that they know that they're the killer. And you're like, no, 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 no. That can't, you don't know who the killer is. You can't suspect that. So yeah. just yeah. perform the scene. Like you don't know who the killer is. So it's just easier not to tell them, but then the killer <laughs> while they're filming, like you just see this like little bit of glee in the back of their eye the whole time. Like, ha ha ha, they don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> so Let's talk about the, um, is it an Indiegogo or a Kickstarter that you're, let's talk about that. Then, you know, get on to some other stuff. What's, what yeah. um, are you on right now? We launched an Indiegogo campaign for the next Stab movie, Stab 3 Holiday Horror, which is a pun on Stab 3 Hollywood Horror from the Scream movies. But we had initially done a 
semi-Christmas themed Stab 5 originally, but we didn't really lean into the Christmas aspect of it. It was just kind of the backdrop. So I've always, I love Christmas horror movies. Like you were talking about Black Christmas before. I love stuff like that. I just watched uh, Christmas Bloody Christmas on Shudder. How is uh, it? I haven't watched it yet. Uh, I have, well, I'm going to be 100% honest. The first 20 minutes of it almost made me turn it off because the acting and the cast, the lead girl is just a drunk, obnoxious character for the first 25 minutes. And you're like, I don't, I wouldn't even be near you in public, let alone watch you on my television. And they just banter back and forth about the stupidest stuff. Like, which band do you think is better? Which movie do you oh, think is? I'm like, geez. is anything actually happening in your life that you can talk about besides this? But so then, it's the Tarantino effect. Yeah, kind of. And then when the mechanical Santa finally comes in and starts the killing, it just goes all out from there. So <laughs> that when you're like, okay, you know they have a low budget and they're pulling off all these pretty cool effects that it's just a, a Terminator Santa. Like that started to play really, really well. But I mean, the killer in our movie is definitely not a robot by by any means. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, there's a big spoiler for Stab Three Holiday Horror. Our our killer is not a robot. Or but... are you trying to throw people off by Maybe. saying it's not a robot? <laughs> you never know. That I, that could have been a way just to distract you, so you don't figure <laughs> out what I'm actually doing. So, but... what are some of your um incentives that you're giving out people for donating? Yeah, yeah. So we started it, started the Indiegogo campaign because, like I said, I pay for everything out of my pocket. And I really, 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 really like to keep stepping up the quality of the films and improving the entire production overall, uh, giving a better experience, making sure that we have enough time to film stuff. I need to feed my actors since they work for free. That's another thing. We're filming a lot in the winter, so there needs to be warming mechanisms and stuff for them. So the money we're raising, everything goes back into production. Just like I said, we've never, ever turned a profit. We're never going to turn a profit, but we want to make the movies better for everyone. So we started the Indiegogo campaign with like an insanely high budget of like goal of like $10,000, but it's a flexible goal. So even if someone donated $10 and that's all we made, we'd still get that $10. But um, we tried to launch like a Kickstarter or something a long time ago, and it didn't go anywhere, which is weird because we have millions and millions of views and like 27,000 subscribers. I'm like, if you all gave us a buck, we could make a hundred stat movies. Like <laughs> that whole thing of getting people to click twice. Yeah. Which is the most hard, the most complicated. So getting the click like is complicated. Yeah. So the campaign's been up for a week and we have zero backers, but then I'll go and do a live stream on YouTube and people will donate through the live stream. And I'm like, well, there's incentives and rewards and prizes on the Indiegogo. So you should have donated through there. So we are, we're offering a wide range of stuff. And I keep telling the fans that I'm open to more suggestions if there's other stuff that they'd like to see listed. But like the lowest level is just like social media shout outs. There's thank yous in the credits for like, like a $10 donation or something like that. There's uh, signed scripts that are like production use, like the actor's scripts that they have all their lines highlighted and stuff. They'll each autograph them and people can get those. Uh, there's signed posters, there's t-shirts, there's producer, associate producer, executive producer credits. And the one I think is the coolest of them all, one of them is a day on set. So if you're local, you can come yeah. to the set. Oh, okay. If you're not local, you can zoom us, you can zoom in over Zoom. Zoom in over Zoom, I guess, whatever, <laughs> a little redundant there. But they can call in over Zoom and they can watch us film an entire scene for the whole day. And that's oh. like, that's some, like, you got to sign an NDA to kind of do some of that stuff, depending on what yeah. the scene is. So, because I can't have them leaking what we're doing, but, but a fan that's willing to donate enough money to do something like that, hopefully it would be a fan that would not tell anyone what they saw. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So there's you a know, bunch of incentives and it, hopefully it very, works out. It's very important, I think, for people to understand that are listening to this, how difficult it is to make a movie, but to make a movie with little to no money is super difficult. And, you know, when you, when you, when you do something out of love and that's your passion, I mean, you know, I mean, you're Josh, you're, you're the, you know, prime example of doing it from your heart and your passion because you love it. And I hope people that listen to this will go and visit your Indiegogo site and it'll be linked in the description, but what is it right yeah. now? If you can tell us. What's the Indiegogo? Yeah. The link. Yeah. Uh, oh God. I don't know. There's so many random numbers and letters. Oh, yeah, We'll just, we'll it. just okay. link okay. it. It's yeah. much. Yeah. Cause it's like slash slash colon, oh, you know, yeah. or dollar yeah, it's, sign. Like, okay. it's like IGG dot me slash oh, something yeah. slash stab three. But it, yeah. if they search for it on there, it's stab three holiday horror. And I have a hard time saying the word horror. It always sounds like I'm saying horror. Same with me. I cannot <laughs> pronounce horror. horror. <laughs> they go, hey, I donated to some horror movie. You're like, wait, yeah. what? <laughs> Whatever I'm like live streaming with the fans, they're like, did you say horror? I'm like, probably. <laughs> it's in my blood. I can't help it. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, but, that's, that is the biggest thing. You're right. Uh, making a movie without any money is hard. And like I said, it is a passion project. Uh, it's something I've always loved doing. It's something I'm going to continue to love doing. It's my biggest hobby. It's a great excuse for me to see people I haven't seen in years either. I'm like, I know you're not an actor, but I haven't hung out with you in a while. Maybe you could die in a horror movie for me. So, <laughs> Who doesn't uh, want that? Right. That is actually one of the funnier parts of filming, too, is everyone in the beginning is like so gung ho about the fake blood. They're like, yeah, yeah, douse me. I want to look like Carrie at the prom, you know. And then they get like the one little stab wound that just slightly bleeds. They're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my God, there's fake blood all over me. <laughs> we had one girl at the end of the last movie that didn't want any blood on her. I'm like, you get stabbed and shot multiple times. I don't, I don't know what you're thinking is happening, but you're going to bleed. <laughs> Can you use a stunt double for my blood? Right. And that's the other tricky thing to our movies. There are no stunt doubles. So like all my poor actors and actresses, like if you see them get thrown to the floor, that's them getting thrown to the floor. Like, and we had one girl in a bunch of our movies, her name's Nicole, who's notorious for beating up whoever's in the costume. Like whoever is playing Ghostface, she will find a way to almost knock you out. <laughs> so I had to stop writing her fight scenes because she kept injuring my Ghostface actors. <laughs> She split one's lip open. She gave one a black eye. I'm like, okay, Nikki, we gotta, you gotta learn how to throw your punches a little bit here. <laughs> nice, nice. Now, how many um, it, people listen to this? They're super interested because they're hearing you talk about the previous stab movies you have. How many? How many are there? Once again, and where can people go watch them? Everything uh, you can watch all of our movies on our website, stabmovies.com. Or you can find them all on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash at symbols stab movies. Uh, or sometimes if you put just slash stab movies, that works too. Uh, Steve um, Rogers wanted to say hi really quick, guys. Oh, hi, Steve Rogers. <laughs> Captain <laughs> Steve Rogers. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Captain. Hi, <laughs> hi, Captain. Uh, but yeah, and we started back in the day in 2010 with Stab 4 Fresh Blood. Then we made Stab 5. We made Stab 6 Ghostface Returns. We posted both unfinished versions of Stab 7. So there's a Stab 7 Knife of the Hunter and a Stab 7 that isn't finished, which we're working still on a re-release of that second version of Stab 7, where we've kind of filled everything in, 
with storyboards and animations and some of the animations are even like sims characters just so we could finally complete the movie and then so that'll be we're filming one new scene for it too which is what we were supposed to be filming tonight but the actress from it is actually sick because tis the season to catch everything that's going around right um and then there are two stab short films in the middle of that called stabbed which there were supposed to be three and the third one was going to feature wes craven which is absurd i know and then he sadly passed away about two weeks before we were about to film it. Mm. So then we did the stab reboot and then we did stab two and now we're working on stab three again. So technically we're on like our seventh or eighth stab film. Wow. Nice. So, nice. Yeah. Now, um, these are just some scream fan questions. You know what? There is a clip I'm going to show for the um, YouTube. I want to show you some of my most prized scream um fan things but okay. i have some scream questions for you number one are right. you on the stew train i uh like for stew to come back is, is stew alive is the big thing is <sighs> stew alive i am a uh i'm a non-believer <laughs> okay, okay in stew coming back i the reason though i love the idea when it was for scream three however yeah. Now that that idea has been made so openly public, I feel like it would be tacky to do it. Like, screen movies are supposed to be whodunits and surprising at whodunit, which is where I think the last screen movie failed a tiny bit, was that we all pretty much figured out who the killers were in that real fast. I still so, love Scream 5. It's my second I love favorite. it, too. I just thought the killers were ridiculously predictable. Like, even in the theater, the first night it opened, a bunch of us went to go see it. And everyone, as soon as Jack Quaid was on screen, they're like, he's the killer. And then as soon <laughs> as Mikey Madison's character got a little too possessive over Jenna Ortega's character, like she's the other killer. Like it was just so obvious to all of us. And it felt so done before. Like really the boyfriend again, like you couldn't come up with anything more original than that. No. But that's how I feel about Stu coming back. Like it was already an idea. It's already out there. Do we need to see it? Like, it, yeah, sure. It'd be cool to see it filmed but it's not going to have any shock value if it's him, you know? It will have excitement. Don't get me wrong, because everyone will be like, oh, they finally did it. But yeah. at the same time, you're like, oh, we knew that was going to happen. Like, do I want to watch that? <laughs> to me, it'll be like, do you watch South Park, the whole member berries thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, to me, that's what it would be. And for those of you who are wondering, maybe you're not a Scream fan, like Larry's wondering, what am I talking about? Originally, Scream 3, we were going to find out that Stu was not dead and was running basically a cult of Ghostface killers. But then Columbine happened and they had to rework all of Scream 3. And my yeah. hero, Kevin Williamson, wasn't able to write it because he was directing Teaching Mrs. Tingle, which again was supposed to be called killing mrs tingle but yep. have to get changed because of columbine also and come on everyone who's into the screen movies also reads ya horror and that's just lois duncan's killing mr griffin with a female title put in it sure is it absolutely is and if you want to see how scream 3 would have panned out all you have to do is watch the tv show the following exactly because that Kevin became Williamson. scream 3 all right, yeah. next question. Thoughts on the TV show, all three seasons? I Okay, so I am a minor fan of the TV show. I wouldn't say I'm a massive fan like I am with the movies. Uh, the presentation, the lack of Ghostface was a thing for me too, even though I've been there. Uh, the way they twisted it, though, uh, and gave the Brandon James storyline, I found compelling. 
Uh, I did not guess who the killer was in the first season. So that one shocked me a little. So I'll give them some credit there. But is it a screen, screen TV show without Ghostface? I don't know. And the voice in the first two seasons? Eh. <laughs> the music actually in the first two seasons is what bothered me the most. There was that weird like fiddle being played through the whole thing. And I'm like, what is this music? But storyline wise, kill wise, I think they did some really, really exciting things on the screen TV show. Bringing Ghostface back, loved season three with Ghostface, with Roger L. Jackson's voice. Um, not a huge fan of the twin storyline. I hated um, season three. <laughs> yeah. So I just like, it was great to have Ghostface again, but the storyline was a little eh to me. I was like, uh. <laughs> to me, this first two, the season one and two, I honestly feel it was supposed to be a scream cash in from the late 90s. And one of the producers was cleaning out his garage, found the script, and was like, you know what? We can make this scream. Yeah, yeah. we can definitely make kind of like how Halloween Resurrection wasn't originally Halloween, a Halloween movie. They right. changed everything. I almost don't know if um if the plan for the Scream TV show was I just don't feel like it was thought out enough. I I loved it was a kind of almost a carbon copy of the movies, you know, like, which is okay because you, you want to kind of instill that, but there's no con connection to the actual franchise. And I don't know what was up with the ghost face. Like I said, it was, could they not get the rights? Could they not afford it? Yeah, the they rights? couldn't get you the know? rights to it. That was the because whole fun thing. world. Fun world is a, I love them dearly, but they are a very tricky company to work with. And um, if you don't know the story, the true story of Ghostface, fun world did not create Ghostface. Like, mm -hmm. look that up. It was something else that they kind of copied and then have all these backstories for on how they created it, but they didn't actually make Ghostface. So it, it's a it's an interesting little thing. I don't want to say too much. I don't want Fun World to hate me, but uh, they own Ghostface now. And boy, do they own Ghostface. Like, you do not mess with their property. Like, yeah. they will shut you down. They will take your homemade products off of Etsy. Like, they, they will come after you. Think the only reason they're known is because they... The, you know, the location scouts stumbled upon the mask. Yes, exactly. You know, like, you didn't, did you know this, Larry? Originally, that mask, the ghost face mask, wasn't going to be the thing. They had K&B Studios working on mask. But during location scouting, they stumbled upon the mask in someone's bedroom. And we're like, whoa, this is awesome. And they couldn't get the rights. Then they copied it. Filled yeah. the beginning with the fake mask, but then they were able to get the rights. So the the most the the, the Halloween costume that everybody has their last minute idea for happened because of a random coincidence. Literally, yeah. And Scream, like I think Fun World is well aware of how much the fact that Scream is what made them a company, essentially. You know, but. I don't always feel like they convey that to the fans that they know that they're popular because of the Scream movies. Because without the Scream movies, nobody there wouldn't be hundreds of kids dressed as Ghostface every year. And Ghostface, that wasn't even their name either. Like it was named by Kevin Williamson in Scream when Tatum says, "Ooh, Mr. Ghostface," you know. So and you you only hear her say it in that movie once, and then in yeah. five they say it. Do not do a Ghostface drinking game in Scream Five. Right. The yeah. other ones, you'll be sober as a judge, but five, you won't be able to walk. 
Yeah. And it's funny because in the first screen, the costumes referred to that when you see the packaging, it's father death. Yeah. So mm-hmm. even then it wasn't established that it was Ghostface, but then sequels after they're like Ghostface, Ghostface, Ghostface. Now we're contractually obligated to call it Ghostface. Like, <laughs> uh, character you can most relate to. From the Scream franchise? Yeah. Um, gee, I don't know. I would say Randy, but he knows way more about horror than me. He he could murder me in horror movie trivia. Um, <laughs> I would most likely say Roman. Uh, I don't have the connected backstory of like my family being all fucked up, but <laughs> can we swear in here? Sorry. Oh yeah, yeah, but, all you want. Yeah. Oh great. Uh, but yeah, I don't have that kind of twisted backstory. But the the passion that he shows over trying to get his stab movies made, I think, is something I definitely share with him. And the frustration of them possibly getting shut down, and the irritation of having to work with people sometimes. <laughs> I think that's who I relate to most. No, I will not go homicidal and kill my cats, though. Even though I threaten them with it frequently. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go with Randy. Um, I'm 41, so I was a little kid in the 80s watching these movies and it was like tommy jarvis was the only character i saw as me but then as a teenager i see randy and he knows all this stuff about things i knew and love and it's like whoa there's someone else like me so he is i really feel he doesn't die in two he's the director or screenwriter instead in screen three of the i feel that movies. yeah and andy's a uh Randy was a beloved character, so that that was an interesting choice. I am one of the ones that approves of the shock value, though, when they kill off four characters like that. I'm like, good job. You know what I mean? Like, it makes. I'm sense. all for killing Dewey. It makes. I don't think they should yeah. kill Dale on Gale in the next one because then you're star. You know, Disney Star Warsing it. Yeah, and it's just it starts a pattern. Like, okay, we did one in this movie. We killed this one. Next one, we'll kill Nev, and you know what I mean, like stuff like that. But I am also on the Kirby was dead train. Uh, which was not not a huge thing like and she's such a huge fan character because she was the new Randy like people just yeah. love her and I loved her performance in that movie too but my interaction with meeting yeah. Hayden at the premiere of Scream 4 was less than great so that made me want to be like nah she's dead like she's dead because <laughs> most of the people in Scream 4 I don't know if you notice this they die from one stab like one stab but Hayden gets stabbed <laughs> four times and gets to live nah nah that bitch is dead <laughs> but I'm excited to see her come back in Scream 6. So I'm excited I, to see what they do with the character. I and based on Hay- uh, Hayden Panettiere's real life, like I could understand why maybe she wasn't the nicest person when I met her at the premiere. So <laughs> Yeah, I got into her during Heroes. You know, the first two seasons of that Me show too. were awesome. I met Milo Panettiere at a comic book signing at oh, Golden no. Apple on Melrose. I couldn't meet him. They would have to have security to get me away oh, from him. So he's super <laughs> funny story about him. I watched um, Driving, Racing in the Rain, the talking dog movie. Now, yeah. I love animals. So one of my favorite actresses in that movie, Amanda Seyfried, when she died, I was like, okay, yeah, wives die sometimes. The second the dog got sick. Oh my God! I was un I I I could not be comforted. <laughs> um, rank the screen movies from you know favorite to least favorite. Gosh, everybody has me do this all the time, and sometimes they vary and change because I there's something about every screen movie that I do love. Uh, I will start by saying Screen Two is my absolute favorite, really? which is weird. A lot of people start with like the first Scream because it's it started the whole thing. 
but the cast of Scream 2 and the killers in Scream 2 are what sell it for me. Sarah Michelle Gellar, I don't think, besides Casey Becker, I don't think there's a better death scene in the whole series than Sarah Michelle Gellar's. Uh, the way awesome. it plays out, it's it's a fantastic scene. And uh, <laughs> Mrs. Loomis, Laurie Metcalf, just eating and chewing that scenery oh, at yes. the end of that movie. I don't think anyone will ever top her performance as a killer. She's just a freaking bad bitch. Like, so yeah. those, those are like the main reasons I'd say I love Scream 2 the best. Um, I also typically tend to rank, like Scream is usually my next one. And then I usually put Scream 3, which is also not super popular. But Whoa. I love comedy aspects in horror movies because a lot of stuff has been done before. And making ghetto low budget fan films for YouTube, I find comedy is a good way to get people to continue to watch. Because especially if you don't have the best actors or production values, at least if it's funny, they won't just fast forward through the next scene and they'll still hear what's happening in the story. So I actually enjoyed the kind of Scooby-Doo aspect of Scream 3. And like Jennifer Jolie in Scream 3 may be my favorite part of the entire movie, Parker Posey. And like people like hated her in that. I'm like, I think she was brilliant. She was hilarious to me. And then four and five are kind of a tie for me. Um, because I see what they were both trying to do. And I, I love them, various aspects of them very, very much. But I almost can't decipher which one I think is a better restart of the series. You know um, what I mean? Yeah. Because I, like I said, I predicted the killers in, in five very easily. And they got a number of things wrong in Stab Five specifically pertaining to the stab movies that like right in the opening scene started irritating me. I'm like, wow, did you not watch Scream 4? Because you're wrong about that. Uh, and then Scream 4, like that horrible filter on it that like- We've to make talked it about that with Craven something scary, how it looked like a, a, a Vaseline commercial or cold yeah. cream. Like, was it a Barbara Walters special or was it an Instagram filter? Why was that movie so glowy? I, I, I didn't like that aspect of it. And another thing I get people don't like when I say, I hated Emma Roberts in that movie. I interview her, over. Right? Interview I over. love, love, loved her on like Scream Queens and American Horror Story. But Emma Roberts acting until she self mutilates herself at the end of that movie, I'm just looking at her like, who cast this bitch as the killer? She cannot oh act God. in this scene. Like, <laughs> oh. when that's she, just a personal opinion. When she got over 21, it was like, okay, yeah, she is super hot. I'm in love with her. I, I waited. <laughs> Yeah. see and that i agree with she's super babe but i also it's four and five that bothered me the most is that there wasn't a lot of effort put into the fact that the stunt double should be the same size as the people who play the killer that is because problem. somehow <laughs> between emma roberts and rory culkin who are like five seven all of a sudden they're six two in costume and then same thing with mikey madsen she looks like she's like five eight next to jack Jack Quaid 6'3", but they're both six feet in the costume. And I'm like, that wasn't the killer ever. What are you talking about? No way. Like, See, that's when the Stu train comes in and it was yeah. Stu the who killed time. Dewey. And like Jack, love, love, love Jack. I love the show Heroes, love Jack Quaid. I'd marry him if he was a little gayer. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I just like, the motive for the killers in Scream 5 was the motive of the killers in Scream 4. Like, Scream 5 almost had nothing original about it. Like, and I get that it was a requel and they were intentionally copying things previously done. 
but it was the same fucking motive. Like, we're gonna make another stab movie. We're where the stars. Like, <laughs> so that that part just like really irritated. I don't think the endings of either one of them are very well thought out. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm what four. I'm happy they didn't go with the original ending of Emma Roberts getting away with it, Same. and then someone finding out because that's not Scream. But my rankings go one, five. Because I'm a wrestling fan and I all that's it comes back to everything. Wrestling is all about using the older stars to get the newer stars over. I just yeah. wish they would have focused another 10 minutes on the characters. Like I love that we have yes. a grape scene in it, you know. That would the fountain scene to me is really the grape scene. Yeah. Four had that, but they cut it out. Of course. And it goes two, four, and three. You have see three is usually rank last on everybody. I love list. three though. I, I'll defend three, but it's just <laughs> it's not my favorite, you know. I mean, I love it. I completely understand. Uh, Larry, what about you? How how would you rank the scream movies? You know, I've only seen one. So one is my Ooh, first one. And that's you a know, crime. actually, maybe no, I think I've only seen one. Um, but it, it's kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm listening to hear you guys talk about like being fans and looking at at these movies individually and collectively and i i keep thinking and wanting to ask you josh how much of that fan enthusiasm how much of that how much of that thought goes into you writing like oh my gosh you know, so your much. stab movies so much you have no idea because every time I write something I'm like oh the fans are going to hate me for that or oh I think the fans <laughs> actually like that will they notice that that was a tribute to a scene from Scream 2 will they catch on to the fact that that was like a little easter egg from Scream 4 you know like I love what I know about the franchise into the stab movies too because the stab movies by definition are supposed to be cheesier versions of the real events so like almost like a lifetime movie version of Scream right. Um, so it's kind of fun to lean into that comedy, but being a fan, I I think I'm hyper aware while writing of what people would expect. And I think I try to do like what Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson did, like, oh, we're, they're going to expect this to happen. So let's switch it up on them and be like, you thought that was happening, but nope, now we're doing this instead. So, and I actually, our last movie, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen stab two, mute this right now, but the killer at the end of stab two, he's the only one that survives. And yeah. he walks out after everybody's dead around him. He's a surprise second killer, kills them all and just disappears into the night. <laughs> so a very non-screen thing to do. And it pissed off a lot of people. But then in the background, I'm sitting there like, ha, 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 ha. Like, you didn't see that coming, did you? And that is something I actually hid from the cast too. That final page of the script wasn't given to them until the day they filmed it. And they're that's like, we so die? <laughs> Uh, yeah that's, so that's very cool and what so what are some of the honest reactions that you've gotten because it, it's 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 weird to say it but somehow it's not weird at all because it's a film but the fans that are the fans that are that love your stuff what are some of the reactions that you've gotten to two moments like that and and have they you gotten into like a debate 
Uh, I, do, I try my best not to debate with the fans because I kind of tell them, don't worry, there's always more stab movies. What we're doing is kind of an anthology. So even if you miss that actor, they'll probably be back in another movie. Um, stab 2 is one of our better reviewed movies. Like they like the script, they like it's the story, my they like the characters. Out of all your stuff, to be honest. Well, thank you. I just like, and that to me tells me that we're getting better as it goes on. So I like that. And it is hard to try to stay on that cutting edge of making something original in a stab movie, which was, I was like, let's do a Christmas one next. That'll be fun. We could do something different. Uh, but there was certainly backlash over that ending. A lot of the fans were very upset with that. And they openly commented about that or like direct message me like, why did you kill everyone? I'm like, because we don't have to continue this story anymore. That, that's why I did it. Um, but I also love, like I said, it's the better, one of the better reviewed of our movies. And I love when they see the little tributes to stuff, like a girl in the opening gets thrown off a balcony and they're like, oh, that was like Cece in Scream 2. I'm like, very good. My favorite death scene from the series. You caught it. Oh, someone said this. And that's what so-and-so said in Scream 3. I'm like, very good. Well, we have a horror podcaster in Stab 2. Her name's Jennifer Jolie. Where is that from? Screen three. So so there's little Easter eggs for everyone to kind of find. And I think that's one of the fun parts of writing them too, is sticking that kind of stuff in, knowing that the massive fans are going to catch on to even like the slightest detail. So sometimes we play games with them too, to see who can find the most references and stuff. (laughs) That's so cool. That's very cool. Actually, one more question, Eric. And Josh, this is probably the most. So you're working on, on a Christmas theme stab. Mm-hmm. Will you have stab in space? Uh, okay, so stab five involves time travel. Nice. So the limits and possibilities to that lead would probably be the only movie where we would potentially have an option to do space. Because if it's that far in the future, maybe people are living on a different planet or something Very cool. or on spaceships because Earth got destroyed. Who knows? Uh, but a lot of I already have it all plotted out. So a lot of that's Stab awesome. 5 is focused in the past, but there is a future version of Ghostface in it too. So you never know. You never know. Nice. <laughs> nice. So I know I love Jason X. It's one of not unironically one of my favorite Friday movies. So are we gonna get Uber Ghostface? Uh that man, I don't want to drop any spoilers, but there is definitely <laughs> Ghostface in Stab 5 is probably the most relentless ghost face that anyone will ever see. So that's awesome. <laughs> so before we close, I wanted to show you my most prized now if my most prized scream collections. Now I have the 4K, not the steelbook. I have the Blu-ray. I have the the steelbook of two. Mm-hmm. But this is my most I spent way too much money on these. So first, the standard Scream VHS. Every collector has that. This is when it gets interesting. The widescreen. Ooh, yeah. Then we have the women of Scream. Oh, I love those covers. Yeah, those are cool. And then the the finish now with the not Drew Barrymore, because that is not Drew Barrymore. (laughs) This is my most prized one. It is the VHS commentary track of scream one wow i don't think i've ever seen that before it is ridiculously expensive to get now i don't know how it exists but yeah it's the commentary track you would have gotten on the laser disc that then became the uh blu-ray commentary track wow that is the most prize collectible that i have that is awesome yeah that's great 
Now, what's do you have like a collectible that you have your scream collectible? Um, oh boy, I uh, <laughs> making the stab films has involved us purchasing so much ghost face oh stuff. It's I absurd. So we do these big hauls where we just kind of sell everything every now and then. We're like, here, buy all this stuff back from us so we have money to uh, make the next movie. So some of the stuff that we had bought, Stab 6 took place in a house that was almost like a reality TV show house where they're all locked in. And every inch of it was decorated in ghost face. So I do have some regrets because some of the stuff I sold, I was like, wow, look how much that stuff is selling for now. I could have made a movie just off of selling that one prop. Like, <laughs> um, but my collection now is uh, way more limited than I think people would think it would be. Like I have like a ghost face Funko Pop and one of those handmade by robots things. Okay. And I have like the decorations that came out this Halloween. I bought a bunch of those. And I do have a, a decently extensive mass collection, but only of like the variations of ghost face. Like I don't buy because it had a different tag or it was a different mold, you know? Okay. Although I do have the Scream 4 mold that's highly coveted that everyone wants, oh. the TD reshoot mask that right. I just got lucky and found out Walmart one day. So that may lucky. be the most prized possession I have in mind. Uh, my buddy, Burke Bench Designs, makes the K&B mask now. So he sent me a K&B mask of their oh. version of Ghostface. So that was cool. And yeah, it's mostly just the mask that I, and knives. I have so many buck 120s, it's not even funny. <laughs> actual knives or copies we have one real one and then about 27 stunt versions of the knife that are all made Ooh. out of different stuff like some of them are thin plastic some of them are resin some of them are rubber some of them are foam some of them are cut in half so we can stick it into people and glue it to them and like there's so <laughs> many and i have like i have like a bright green stab version i have a knife version of the knife that's on the poster of stab like the big squiggly knife oh um, cool. also made by Burke bench designs love them and uh, yeah, I just, I have a lot of knives and we haven't even got to use them all in the movies yet. So, but yeah, there's a couple of the like featured word. ones. Yeah, we did use like a really cool serrated one in the stab reboot just for one scene because it had a special close up, and that was made for us by uh, my buddy Jose who's making for the stab three holiday horror. I'm not going to tell you everything he's making, but he is making us like a candy cane version of the Buck 120. Oh, so that man. should be cool. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone listening, you know, I'm going to put this up ASAP. Go donate to this kicks to this Indiegogo. This Josh, you know, when good people want to make something, I always want to help them get it made. Like I've been trying to get Josh on for a while, but there was some email confusion. Then when the Indiegogo came up, I was like, oh man, I got to get him on ASAP so we can do whatever we can, you know, what our audience and our audience is great. You know, they helped us get our movie going. We got a book funded. So yeah. go, nice. go show the stab movies some love, everybody. Yes. And yes. well, I I don't know if I'm going to close out with, oh, you know, still support our troops because it's Christmas time. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>